Okay, grab your Bibles, turn to James chapter five. James chapter five. Um, in November, over our birthday party, I, I told you a couple stories of how God answered prayer and just the faithfulness of God over the years uh, at MBT. I wanna go back to one of those stories tonight and I think it'll illustrate uh, what I'm burdened uh, discuss with you. I wanna, I wanna talk to you about just my personal experience uh, in God hearing and answering my prayer. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know, I, I've wrestled with this for a few weeks now and I really do pray that you can hear this tonight. And so can I, can I just pray for us, can I pray for you and then we'll get, we'll get to work. Is that cool? It's a super passive group, and I'm, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Posen's no better either. I just, I don't, I don't know how to. Lord, help us. Uh, help us to see how you want us to pray. Uh, Lord, you know I've been a little nervous about this. And, and so, Lord, would you give us ears to hear uh, tonight? Would you give us uh, insight into the, to the fact, the reality, that you are a prayer-hearing, prayer-answering God? And when we see the problems before us, uh, the desperate need that we can do absolutely nothing about. We can't fix anything, we can't make anything come out right, except you work in and through us as your people, except you make your word reality over our life. Um, there's so much of the Christian life and, and walk that, that ends up just coming out as, as, as playtime. Lord, we want to be a people who matter for your kingdom. And so Lord, you have to, you have to bless us. You have to anoint us. You have to answer prayer. You have to move on behalf of the, the people and the, the requests that we put before you. And, and Lord, these are all things that you've invited us to. And, and Lord, the last thing I want is for us to be uh, in a presumptive and demanding in an unbiblical way. Uh, Lord, help us to get it. Help us to get the, the place, the position that you've put us in with prayer. And so, Lord, we need, we need your help tonight. And I'm trusting you for that, for every brother and sister in this room. And uh, I'm trusting you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, I got saved when I was 12 years old. I don't know that I had the assurance of my salvation until I was about 16. You know, I understood it and was believing on it. Um, but I had a lot of misunderstandings. You know, I, I didn't, it, it took, well, I'm still learning about my salvation. <laughs> I'm still learning about it. Um, but uh, it took a while for me to get to the place where I could just, man, if I'm not going to heaven, there's no hope for anyone because I just believe what the book says. You know, I mean, at some point, the word of God and the spirit of God will give you the assurance that you are the you are a child of God, and um, so so twelve years old, 
I'm 54, so I've been a believer for a long time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I've been, in, I've been saved for a long time. And uh, I've had a lot of conversations with God. I've spent a lot of time talking at God, um, going through the motions of prayer. At 54 years of age and over 30 years of knowing the Lord, uh, if I'm dismayed about anything, uh, well, there's probably a few things that if I really thought about it, I'd be dismayed about in terms of my walk with the Lord, but, but I gotta tell you, the, the part that I'm the most disappointed in is my prayer life. Uh, so many times I think, man, I, I ought to be better at praying than I am. <laughs> I, you may not know this, but I'm not much of a talker. I could, I could go six months at a stretch and not say a word. It would, it would not be a problem for me. I would feel like my life was full and complete and fulfilled. I'd be happy. Um, that, that would just be me. And so, you know, I don't mind getting into conversations with people. I enjoy conversations with people. I'm just, not, I'm just saying I don't have to have them in order to be fulfilled or satisfied. So if we're talking and, and uh, my eyes glaze over for a second. I'm fighting to hang with you because you're, you're important, you matter, you're a big deal, and I want to be there, I want to be in that conversation. Just sometimes it's a, it's a struggle for me. And uh, I read the word of God and there are times when I'll emote and, I'll be, and my prayers will be along the lines of a strangled, oh God, how awesome. And it'll be just that simple, you know, just, something in the word and and uh and really my heart is full of the passage and and all that will come out is is man that's awesome (laughs) you know um my assumption in every relationship that i have and i'm not saying it's right it's probably a little bit dysfunctional but uh my baseline assumption in every relationship that I have is everything is great until I tell you different, right? You, if you wanna know what I'm thinking about you, man, it's just all, you know, sunshine, rainbows, and flowers and posies. I mean, I love you, everything's great, until, like, I need to straighten you out, okay? If, if you need a straightening out, well, then you'll know, right? Uh, everything's great until, until it's not, right? So that's how that works. And so all these things translate in terms of my prayer life to the Lord. It's tough, like I'll never be that person that will have a running one hour monologue toward the Lord. That's not, that's not gonna happen, that's not me. Uh, I don't communicate like that. The only time I've got a one hour long running monologue is it's either in this pulpit or it's downstairs in the Bible school. I'll go an hour and a half down there. Um, and that's just to make sure everybody knows what God said in his word. A lot of times when I'm praying, I will catch myself, um, I'll catch myself talking at God, not to God. And that always breaks my heart whenever I recognize that in myself. Sometimes, though, I'll be praying and I'll feel like I'm just saying words at the air. 
Like, and I'm, I'm in, I'm trying to pray, I'm trying to be engaged, the whole man. And it feels like the prayer isn't breaking past the, 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 the rooftop. And I know that God hears and answers prayer, uh, but sometimes, I'll just be upfront with you, sometimes I feel like I'm not really praying, or sometimes I feel like I'm praying, but it doesn't really matter, because God's just gonna do what he's gonna do anyway. Get a little Calvinistic in my, in my feelings about my prayer. He's just gonna do what he's gonna do, and it doesn't matter what I say. Here's the one that uh, I'm probably the most disappointed in is sometimes I'll be praying and I'll be feeling like maybe God's not interested. And I know, I know with all of my being, I know with all of my knowing biblically that's wrong, but it doesn't change how I feel sometimes. Is everybody tracking with me? I don't know if you've had some of these same struggles, but I think they're common to people. You know, I've got this little thing that I'm taking to the king of the universe and, and, and why is he gonna be that interested in? Okay, I, I, hope, to, I hope to break that, um, that wrong thought. I hope I can take that away from you. We're gonna find out that God's a father and he's interested even on the level of an egg. That's what we're gonna find out. The answer to what I'm presenting to you is something that, that I am timid to talk about because I don't wanna lead you wrong. I don't wanna mess this church up. But sometimes I feel like that we play at praying. Uh, like so many times in my life over the years, I've played at praying. And brothers and sisters, the time is short. The days are evil. Uh, we are looking at, uh, uh, we're gonna do a prophecy, Lord willing, if the Lord tarries, we'll do a prophecy series this year uh, because it's been way too long and, and I, 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 I pray I scare you just a little bit. <laughs> I pray that the reality on the ground sobers you up just a little bit, that, that it'll cause us to pray because there are people that we're gonna lose. We're gonna go into eternity without them if something, if we don't get a breakthrough, if something doesn't happen. Um, we're gonna have people that we love that aren't gonna be with us in heaven. So here it is, James chapter five. Here is the promise from scripture. James chapter five, verse 16, tells us to confess our faults to each other. James chapter five, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And right there, right, that's the aha moment for a lot of people, I'm not very righteous. <laughs> okay, um, you know, study your Bible, okay? Who is a righteous man? Well, James gives you an example here in 1 Kings. You read about the life of Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 17 to 2 Kings chapter two. And so he gives you this illustration. 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, who is a righteous man? Well, Elijah was. And then he goes on to say that Elias, Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as are we. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruits. How did Elijah pray? According to verse 17, how did he pray? He prayed earnestly. This righteous man lifted up earnest prayer to God and he got what he asked for. And you read about it in 1 Kings chapter 17. He marches up to the king and says it's not gonna rain. And then he had to go ask for it. <laughs> but Elijah is just like you and I. He was frail, he was fearful. I mean, yeah, he called fire down from God, right, out of heaven from the Lord. He, he called fire down. And then the very next thing that he did is he ran from Miguel, right? This woman, this queen, Jezebel said, I kill you. And he, ran, he stuck his tail between his legs and ran and ended up in so severe a depression that he wanted to take his life. He wanted God to kill him. He was, he, was, he was tired of living just that quick. Fear, you know, fearful, frail. But he was growing in faith and he grew in faithfulness. Elijah is a man who was raptured out, just like the church will be when Christ comes for her. He was not sinless. And here's the deal. Here's a righteous man praying earnestly, and he gets a drought, right? Three and a half years of drought. Sinless perfection is never a biblical requirement for God to hear and answer your prayer. Uh, now, there are caveats in Scripture. You know, Psalms is very clear if you regard iniquity in your heart so you're making space and a place for it you're not agreeing with God that it's sin you're not repentant over it you're not trusting the Lord to be your supply your help in overcoming that sin that was destroyed in your life 2,000 years ago at Calvary so Christ you know it's this whole principle God I know you died for this sin but I'm going to keep cheating with my neighbor's wife and you'll just have to understand that uh, grace will abound. Well, God's position now over your life is talk to the hand. Uh, you're, you're, you're not going to get what you're asking. Um, you know, so there are, there, are, there, there are caveats. There is instruction in the word. But as you study out this subject of prayer, uh, anyone that's praying effectively, it's not because they have arrived at a state of sinless, absolute sinless perfection. The question that you have to ask yourself is, am I a righteous man? And ladies, I'm speaking in the sense of mankind. Um, I'm not assuming your gender, even though I can take one look at you and tell you what you are. If anybody's confused, I'll inform you about your gender. Um, are you a righteous man? Wall man, wall man. Right. Are, you right, are you righteous? Well, I am. Romans 3, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 3. I'm righteous, not because I did anything right. Romans 3, look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. The righteousness of God without the law, without my ability 
to carry out and keep it. It's manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is he your sin bearer? Was your sin debt settled 2,000 years ago at Calvary? Do you believe the gospel? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the, for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Man, my faith put me in an incredible position. I'm now justified before God. The, the, the hack there is it's just as if I'd never sinned in the eyes of God. Uh, Jesus Christ is my justifier. He is, my, he is the one who has made me righteous before him. I don't stand before God having mine own righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. Romans chapter 10, verse four. Romans 10, verse four. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Do you believe? Then Christ is the end of the law for you for righteousness before God. This was the cry of Paul's heart in Philippians 3, 9. To be found in Christ, to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I know for a fact, and it doesn't matter what I did this morning, if I, if I spent time lifting myself up in pride, not being truthful, telling a lie, um, there, there's any number of ways that I can step in it, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm good at trespasses. Every time I turn around, I, I, I gotta go to scripture and get retraining, okay? My righteousness for, before God is not found in my ability to keep the law moment by moment. It's found in my position, my faith-based position, my belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my savior, he's my king, he's my Lord. He bore my sin to Calvary 2,000 years ago. Did he bear yours? The Bible says it did, it says he did. Did you appropriate that for yourself? Then you are, you, he is your righteousness. So we're righteous. And again, we're, we're not talking about making excuse provision and, and room for gross sin in our life and rebellion against God's word. Positionally, we're righteous before God. So why do so many prayers seem like they fall to the ground? Okay, so I'd spent a little bit of time uh, over the birthday party sharing this with you and, and I just wa I wanted to flesh in a few details. Here's, here's an example, and I can, give you, I can give you many of them. You know, um, my first foray into corporate prayer ministry was with a, a small group. I think there were five of us um, that first time and then seven, just young college and career age kids and young adults. And um, we'd prayed maybe two or three weeks and we had probably 20 come into the prayer meeting 
already at that point. And um, maybe some of you have heard this story before, but at the end of the prayer meeting, everybody's going home. Over half the group's already gone. And before she leaves, a gal in our ministry named Kim comes up to me and said, I've got a friend that can't see the gospel and she's getting ready to move back. She moved out here to Kansas City and I think it saved her life. Uh, She's got nothing but problems and trouble, problem people, big problems waiting for her back in St. Louis. And I'm afraid she got emotional. You know, if she goes back without Jesus, uh, I'll never see her again, I'll lose her forever. And so there was just a handful of us left and I said, hey guys, we need to come pray uh, for Kim's friend. And, And so we started, we got a circle, we held hands and we lifted her friend up by name and and as I'm leading us in prayer, um, you know, listening to my sister sob, <laughs> I said, God, she's moving back this week. So this week, we gotta hear uh, that, that she knows and understands the gospel of Jesus Christ. This week, we gotta hear that she is under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, uh, that she sees that she's a sinner and she sees her desperate need for Christ as her Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, uh, we're believing you for an answer this week. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. And we all, I'm going home just a few minutes later and I get under conviction. I'm like, I just put demands on God and put a timetable on God. Like, he can do whatever he wants. He can save that gal in, in, in St. Louis. Like, I, it doesn't have to happen this week. And what am like, oh God, please forgive me. I was, I, I didn't even think about it and I put all these parameters and con- conditions on, on, on how you have to answer our prayer and, and I just, like, you made me and I'm trying to boss you around, that's not right and I just, I just asked for forgiveness and then as soon as that was done, I said, but God, you gotta do it this week. <laughs> because those guys were watching, they heard every word and if you don't come through, they're gonna think you don't answer prayer. So sorry, I made the mess, but you're gonna have to clean it up. And then I'm like, crying I'm bossing him around again. I'm just like, <laughs> like praying's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. I'm like, God, I don't know what to tell you. you. You have to do something this week. I'm so sorry I put you in this position. <laughs> Please, you have to. Okay, so uh, a couple days later, I called Kim. Any word from your friend? No. Before her week was out, she calls Kim up, sobbing, rejoicing. She was reading John, and it all, everything Kim had been telling, for, telling her all clicked for her, and in her room, she professed, she professed Christ as her Lord and Savior. Before, that week, before she went back to, to St. Louis, our, I mean, we, ha- we got our praise on at the next prayer meeting. And then our prayer meeting tripled (laughs) because people started hearing that God answers prayer. Uh, It's the same thing. Whenever I was burdened, I mean really burdened about making disciples in Midtown. And I grew up in the Ozark Mountains, okay? I'm a legit hillbilly. That's how I was raised. Bib overalls, no t-shirt, straw hat, no shoes, I ran through the Ozark Mountains barefoot, okay, that's how I grew up. I mean, we had shoes, okay, but it was just cool to have tough feet. 
And uh, I don't know anybody in Midtown. I don't know anything about the urban core. And, and, uh, and it was desperate, earnest, expecting prayer that orchestrated, that's a whole other set of stories, but that's what orchestrated the events of my life and brought me to the place where we were making disciples in Midtown and then from there to the place where we were planning a church in Midtown and from there to a place where we're, so help us God by his grace, we're gonna rock the nations for the glory of Christ um, from a little church in the hood. This last spring, Well, okay, so go back 17 years ago. Um, all I can tell you, the easiest way to explain it is um, just one day on the, on the back of my deck, the, the deck on the back of my house. Uh, my family didn't know why I went out there. They, you know, they thought I was just out there soaking up the sun or something. And, uh, and I was crying out to God, God, you have to lead, guide, and direct me because I, I don't know what to do. Well, he did. So LaVon, my mother-in-law, was in poor health and it looked like she was gonna need a lot of help moving forward and we did not know whether or not we should remodel our home, sell her house, and move her in with us or did we need to trust the Lord to find something that we could all slip into that would work well for all of us? And, and we don't know the answer to that. And frankly, we didn't care. We're, like, I don't, this world's not my home. I'm a, I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. In my father's house are many mansions. That's my game plan, right? That's what I'm, that's what I'm working toward. I'll get, you'll see me on heaven's cribs someday, okay? <laughs> but uh, I, uh, Whatever God wants. We, we raised our kids in that house. Uh, I'm so grateful for that house. Uh, I, I can't tell you the countless hours of ministry that took place in that house. Super grateful for that home. Are we supposed to stay there? Oh, we don't know. And so my wife and I had that conversation over two days. It concluded on a Tuesday. And then that Tuesday, it was the end of April, first part of May, I, hey, We've, my, our family has a big decision. We're full of faith. God is going to lead, guide, and direct us because we don't know what to do. And that was the prayer of our heart. God, you, you have to lead, guide, and direct us because we don't know anything about real estate. We don't, know, we don't know what to do. Are we supposed to remodel? Are we supposed to sell? Are we supposed to move? And you guys started praying that night. The next day, after the prayer staff meeting, a friend says, a brother says, I've got a house, one of my houses I'm planning on selling. He wasn't in this meeting. He didn't even know that Cheryl and I had just been talking about it for the last two days. You didn't know what you were praying for, but the next day he says, I got one of my houses I'm thinking about selling. If we sell it, would you be interested? And I'm like, well, yeah, I have to be. We, we've literally just been praying about this. <clears throat> the long and the short of all of that is we didn't actually look for the house that we live in now. Okay, we just prayed and then we just tried to follow because we're full of faith that God is gonna lead, guide, and direct us. Well, he didn't know if he wanted to sell or not and it's a long story, but the conclusion that we came to 
mainly because the pastors here said, uh, you, ought to, you ought to prep your house for sale, no matter what. You ought to just prep it for sale. I didn't want to do that. If we were supposed to live there, I wanted to remodel it. If I prep it for sale, then I got to prep it again to remodel it. To, like I didn't want to do the work twice and spend the money twice. And No, you should prep it to sell. Okay, so I submit to the pastors. I'm going to prep it to sell. And, um, and I, I remember, this will be one of those memories uh, for the rest of my life. I was coming to the end of all the cleanup work that I could do, and from that point forward, I was either remodeling it or I was prepping it to sell. I mean, I was, I was prepping it to sell, but like if God showed me to remodel it, I would not listen to the pastors. I would remodel it and save my money and time. <laughs> and uh, I, it's another one of those memories that I'll keep for the rest of my life. On my knees in that home, saying, God, I'm running out of work, and I gotta know what I'm supposed to do next. And you see the dilemma, I don't wanna pay twice, I don't wanna do twice the work. God, you have to tell me, you have to show me, because I don't know what to do, I don't, I don't even care. <laughs> I just wanna know that I'm in the center of your will. And um, so I was telling Cheryl, okay, today, tomorrow at the latest, we're gonna get direction. I'm explaining that to her when the phone rings. <laughs> and our, my brother said, uh, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and sell, are you interested? Okay, well, I can't afford it. I can't, I can't afford the house that I sold at the price that I sold it for. I'm like, who would pay this kind of money for this kind of house? I mean, who lives like this? Where's all this money come from? That doesn't, like, like this is nuts. The prices of houses, and, and so my house had to sell for top dollar if I was gonna buy the next house. Many of you prayed for top dollar. This church was praying for a crazy, uh, a crazy high number for, we got it. And the sale of that house bought the house that we're in. For me though, it was, I didn't wanna pay twice, I didn't wanna do twice the work. And I was at a place where I realized I was gonna throw about two to four weeks of my life away and all the money it took to support that. And I was desperate that I wouldn't, God's, God knows everything, God sees everything, and so I'm like, hook up, God, you have to hook a brother up. I gotta know. So you're gonna, you're, you're gonna have to show me. I was just desperate. I was pleading. Lord, I don't have time for this, please. And then I get a phone call. Look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse five. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, so he gives them the story. He said unto them, Luke 11, verse five. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go, into, go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So here's a guy that obviously hasn't been saving for a rainy day. He gets a surprise burden. Um, it's, it's past bedtime. These people show up. 
and they're starving and they just had just enough to get through the day themselves and what's he gonna do? He's gotta feed these people, I mean his friendship. So he goes and wakes his neighbor up. Well his neighbor's immediate response is that's your problem, not mine. But because of the relationship that they have as neighbors, but look at, look at verse eight. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. That word importunity, it's like the word insolent, insolence. It means shameless immodesty without concern of propriety or your own dignity. You, have, you are desperate for help. And so you're gonna ask brazenly because of the relationship because this guy had to have it, that's why he's gonna get it. In other words, the guy's gonna be like, I got three loaves, I'm not gonna get to sleep because this guy ain't going away. I'm just gonna have to give him what he wants. And then look at the invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. What a promise. So many people ask pretending to ask. They're not really asking. There's no importunity behind the request. There's no, there's no sense of need. There's no felt desperation for God to do what only he can do. So we play at asking. We have a form of asking, but no reality. Everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Don't miss what Jesus is showing us here. God is interested, he's a father. He's interested in us at the level of a piece of bread. You say, oh, what's a, I mean a piece of bread is nothing. Cast all your care on him, he does care for you. Even at the level of a piece of bread. Or, if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? God is interested at the level of an egg. And now that's not like, that's not no mean thing. I mean, eggs are like what, 50 bucks a dozen? I mean, it's just going nuts. <laughs> if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I told you the story about me struggling in the early days, just leading our board, leading our men, and, and uh, desperately crying out to the Lord, I need help, and I get to a prayer meeting where a visitor just quotes my prayers and my whining in my car on the way to the prayer meeting, and uh, gives me a word from the word of the Lord. I mean, it's just every time in my life when I was stuck, God answered me. God answered me because I was in a place where I was stuck and every time it was in a place where I refused to do what I thought I should do or what I wanted to do, it was a place where I was determined that God was gonna show me, that God was gonna work for me. And so God had to answer my pleading. And then surprise but no surprise, every single time he has never failed to answer. Uh, in, in undeniable supernatural ways. So why not more of that kind of prayer?
You've got, I've got, we've all got people in our life that outside of a miracle, outside of God, waking them up, opening their eyes, they're gonna go into eternity without Christ. We've got people that we love desperately and dearly that we can't make sense to, that we can't get them to see, to understand, to hear us. There's not an open door. Except God opens a door, except God binds the devil in their life, except God opens their understanding, except God pours out his spirit and conviction. Right, without that open door, there's no hope and we're gonna lose them forever. Where is the pleading desperate prayer? Oh God, except you move, we're cooked. There are points of provision that there's no way you're gonna be able to get around what's coming and you need God to be your supply. You need God to lead, guide, and direct you. Will you not get full of faith and then put yourself in a position where you will say, not my will be done, God, so help me, God, by your grace, your will and your will alone be done in my life. God, I'm trusting you for your promises, the promise of your word to be made reality in my life. So much of Christian prayer is people getting together and saying polite phrases in the right setting, patting themselves figuratively on the back, I'm a good Christian. Where, where is the desperation that says, God, Father, I'm hungry, give me an egg. Every time I've been at that place in my life, every time God has answered in incredible, powerful, like unbelievable, supernatural ways, the part that I'm embarrassed about, that I'm ashamed of, is that I don't pray like that all the time. Would you pray for me? I don't wanna be constantly put in desperate, hopeless, no-win situations, but if that's what it takes to pray, Can I just tell you what I'm desperate for for you? I'm desperate that God will teach us to pray. Not to play at praying, not to have a form of prayer, but to truly cry out, to storm the gates of heaven. Not taking no for an answer. Not praying out of our ear, out of our rear praying what the Bible says, praying the scriptures, what God has promised. Lord, we can't have anything less than that. Otherwise, we're wasting our time and we're your people and you bought us by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't go to waste like that. God, we have to be useful. We have to be fruitful. We have to be profitable for you. I'm praying that God will do that. My fear is, is that we will because there are some tough days ahead. If the Lord tarries, as we get closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're gonna see more bizarre things, we're gonna see more difficult things, we're gonna see horrible things. Um, this world, man, is running from God. They won't be able to do that for long. Eventually the king will come and put a stop to it. But in the meantime, let's rescue the perishing. Let's, let's save a few souls. Let's get them in the lifeboat with us. Let's get them on the ark. I'm praying that 
we as a church, that we as individual Christians, but collectively as well, that will cry out to the Lord and pray because except he answers. You know, I'm also praying that you'll have some reasons to pray like that. So I'm gonna pray for you and then you're welcome to grab somebody and, and pray before you're dismissed. I'm not giving you this so that we'll have a time of weeping and wailing and prayer before the Lord. I want you to listen to these things and consider these things. I'm pleased overall, I think what God has done here is amazing. Uh, we are a church that does know and believe that God answers prayer. Our midweek service, one of the reasons we had to open the balcony is because we ran out of room on Tuesday nights. There's not room to grow on Tuesday nights. Where does that happen? Those of you that are new or you, got, you came to Christ here, this doesn't happen, by the way. This is a very rare thing. Uh, what happens here on Tuesday nights. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not, but th this, this does not happen. You get a fraction of the Sunday crowd back. It's a handful of people. Um, we get up to half of our church back on Tuesday nights. It needs to be 80%. That's what I'm actually trusting the Lord for. 80% of our church should trust the Lord to be here on, on Tuesday nights with us. Because we gotta pray. Man, we gotta pray just to make it today. Father, everything I lifted uh, up from this pulpit in terms of the principles of prayer, I ask you in prayer for my brothers and sisters, and God, I'm asking that you'd work in our heart, that we truly see it. Lord, not one of us in this room can be awesome and thereby be used of you. Not one of us in this room can be so smart and as a result be necessary for the work that you wanna do in this world. It's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's by your spirit, it's by the promise of your word, and it is, it's by our faith. Lord, we wanna have a faith-based approach to prayer. And so, Lord, would you open our eyes, would you open our understanding and help us to see we're in a desperate place. We've got people that do not know you. We think we know them, we love them. We're desperate that they'd be with us in eternity. So, Lord, would you, would you cause us to pray believingly with importunity, with great passion. God, that we'd be a people who count on you in prayer because you have to give us our requests. Else there's no hope. <laughs> Lord, I ask for this in Jesus' name, that Christ might be glorified, that we might rejoice at the judgment seat. Amen. <laughs>